Welcome to the Coast Life Church Podcast. For more videos, messages, and content, be sure to subscribe to our channels on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube for a great way to stay connected throughout the week. This week, we have a special guest speaker, Pastor Brandon Stewart, bringing a standalone message. We hope it blesses you. How are we doing tonight? Come on, can we give an even bigger hand for Jesus tonight? Thank him for all that he's done. Come on, has Jesus been faithful to you? Ma'am, stay standing if you would. Um, Thank you, Jason. I love you guys so much. Um, This is just overwhelming this weekend just to see all that God has done. Last time I was here, uh, your pastor was in the hospital, actually. (laughs) Just a vast improvement over last time I was here. Um, I'll never forget little over or almost eight years ago, my wife and I were taking the biggest step of faith we had ever taken in our life in ministry, stepping out to represent our church on the road and help pastors. I didn't know one person who I thought would let us come and serve. And one day your pastor took a call from someone, myself, just eager to help. And I got on a plane and came here in May that year. And I mean, the two services combined There'd be more people here right now, you know, than than that time. And we were across the way in the other building. And just to think back at what God has done. And and that, of course, first of all, all the honor not only belongs to Jesus, but also the leaders that he's entrusted here. Your, your pastors are so special and so anointed and so um, just right people, right time that see beyond today and see what could be. But then I just thought too, this church is full of faithful people who have just been faithful to give and to serve. You know, (laughs) I'll never forget that very first trip. We were all sitting around in their living room or something at a dining room table or something. And I just remember saying this line that Great churches are built on service and sacrifice and a bunch of people that just go all in because we're crazy enough to believe this could work. And I remember saying to them, you know, Florida is a place people come to vacation and relax. Like the first thing people think, you know, when they're moving to Florida isn't, I can't wait to sacrifice, you know, it's like I'm coming to be on a boat, you know, and I'm coming to, you know, surf and I'm coming to retire and relax. And yet we just have this tireless diligence at Coast Life Church. We're not settled for the status quo in this city. We're just crazy enough to believe that this city could be different because of Jesus. Amen. And so tonight, not only I want to honor your pastors. I just want to thank every member of the team that serves, that volunteers. If it's been for one week or 10 years, you have made such a difference already in this church. And just to think that 10 years, my church is like 40 something years old. If you, however you do the math and count it all up. Like, so this is just the down payment on what I think God is about to do in Southwest Florida through Coast Life Church for the glory of Jesus' name. Come on, anyone just believe that tonight, that God's going to do something significant right here, right now, in Jesus' name. Okay, we this is mayhem, but I think we got to get on with it here. Um, one more question. Are, are, you, are you ready for God's Word tonight? Do you, do you love the Word of God? Um I just want to ask you if you join me tonight. I had you stand, not to say all that. I had you stand tonight to honor the Word of God. Because when the Word of God is open, things change. And I kind of picture it like tonight, Jesus is here. And he's about to scatter a whole bunch of seed like a good farmer. I just wonder what kind of soil that seed's going to hit tonight. And you may have shown up a little distracted, maybe thinking about Super Bowl plans tomorrow. That's why Saturday night is so big this week, is they all got plans tomorrow. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe your mind showed up thinking about where life is really tough right now. You know, that thing that, you know, is just kind of sitting there. It's heavy. I don't know where you're at tonight, um, but I do believe that God has something for you. If you'll just kind of open up your heart and receive Um, I am just crazy enough to believe, not because of myself, it's all because of Jesus. I'm just crazy enough to believe that you could literally have walked in this room one way and walk out another. 
by the transformational power of God's word. So anyone that would, would you join me? Would you lift up your hands to heaven? Would you just go to that space that only you and the Lord know about? Right now, would you just begin to do some business with God in your own words? Just begin to talk to him right now. Just say something like, Lord, I'm available. God, I'm here. I'm ready. Oh, God, we love your word. I thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and it is a light to our path. I thank you that at your word, Jesus, blind eyes are opened. I thank you that at your word, things that are sick are made well in Jesus' name. I thank you that at your word, the captive is set free in Jesus' name. So I ask that you would come and I ask that you would have your way. Would you just talk to us tonight? Would you convict us tonight? We just give you that permission. We give you that space. Would you have your way? Now I ask that I would get out of the way and that you would have your way above all else tonight in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. You can take your seats tonight. Thank you to the worship team. You guys are awesome. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 26. We'll get there in just a minute. I've grown up in the same church my whole life. So 38 of my 39 years on planet Earth have found me in one church under one pastor serving one vision. And somewhere along the way, I just got convicted that the local church is the greatest thing happening on planet Earth today. Like the local church is God's plan A. There is no plan B. I'm just here to tell you tonight that after zigzagging the nation for almost eight years, or I guess a little over eight years. I think my distance now is a couple times to the moon and back, literally like zigzagging, just trying to help build anywhere we can. I'm just here to tell you about the church, that the critics that are, are expecting the church's decline and demise, I'm just here to tell you they're wrong, that the church is alive and well and doing really great things on planet Earth today. And... Um, and we get the privilege of representing our pastors, Kevin and Sheila Gerald. They are our heroes. They are our spiritual parents. I owe them so much. I get to uh, see them this next week, uh, tomorrow after service, flying to Houston. And we have a one-day conference for pastors and leaders um, there on Tuesday that we get to host. And so if you, if you are up early and ready to fast and pray, uh, if you're needing a prayer target, pray for us on Tuesday. It's going to be a great day. And... Um, we're just excited to, it, sometimes it's looked like really great moments, and sometimes it's looked really small and behind-the-scenes moments you would never see, but we just consider ourselves so honored to get to speak into the life of local churches, and so it's out of that very, very deep honor that I'm here tonight, and I do consider Coast Life to be family, and I said it to you the first time I was here that we were going to be family whether you liked it or not, and that is a promise that I have kept over the years. And the great thing for me is that you don't get to pick your family. And so uh, whether you like it or not, we're stuck together. So whether I'm the really cool brother that comes around sometimes or the annoying cousin you wish would leave, we're going to be family either way, whether you like it at this point. Uh, so, hey, tonight I want to wrestle through something that I've been thinking about and that I think God's been working in me on just in the last couple of years, in the last season. And, um, is that okay? Like, can we, I want to look at something in scripture that I believe is essential for us as believers and corporately as a family, as we navigate through very significant times in our nation, very significant times in our culture. I think there's some things that we're going to look at tonight that we need to really get right. You know, everything about our culture right now is fascinated with the new, the new thing coming out. I mean, lines out the door at the Apple store the day the new iPhone is released. Tim Cook takes that stage about once a year to show you all the features of the new thing coming. It's still a phone, by the way. I saw the meme the other day that says, I know it's a phone, but I don't really use it for that, you know? Like, but but, but we're, we, we, are, we love the new. Entire weekends of our life are reserved for binge-watching the new series that has just been released. 
because we love the new. The new music in your, you know, released by your favorite artist jumps right to the top of your, your Apple Music library, replacing everything else, moving it down, shifting it down because we like the new. I think we like the new because we add up that the new works better than the old a lot of times. You get a new device or a new something, a new car, and you realize, man, I was putting up with a lot on that old thing. How many of you buy into the conspiracy theory, by the way? I totally do. That they actually purposely slow down your old device to make you want to buy the new one. Anyone, like, ready just to call it out for what it is? I think it's there. You know, new is faster. New is sexier. New makes my life easier. New makes my life better. And so we love the new. Our, our culture is pretty obsessed with and addicted to progress. And then young culture recently has even found ways to, you know, slap, you know, slap in the face and make a point out of someone being older and of a different generation than them. I think I'm talking out of my bother for a minute because this year I will turn 40 and um, I kind of decided we were going to rock our 40s. Like, we were going we to be really proud of being 40. All the 40-year-olds in the room just clapped, by the way. And um, I'm just here to tell anyone who's, like, 24 and think you've got it made, 30s are way better than your 20s, just so you know. Like, you know, 30s are like the new 20s or whatever that is. That's what old people say, you know, as they, they shift down. And, the, and I just decided we're going to rock 40. So maybe I'm just bothered by the fact that I actually have to change the number on my age at the end of the year. I don't know. But, you know, you, you, you hear terms like, okay, boomer. It's a way of slapping someone in the face for being older or being of an older generation. We, we love the young. We love the new. But here's what I came to say to us tonight. I want to make a case for us as a church and for us as individuals just for a few minutes tonight that for as good as the new is, that there are some things we need to get back to in the church. If we're going to live the lives that God has called us to live, lives that honor God, if we're going to walk in his purposes and even as a church, If we're going to see God do all that he wants to do in and through this house, there are some things we're going to get back to. So tonight, we're going to go a little bit old school, if that's okay. We're going to shift back just a little bit. If you're looking for a title tonight, I want to call us to redig the wells. Redig the wells. Genesis chapter 26, in verse 18, it says this. Then Isaac dug again the wells of water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the same names which his father had given them. He gave them the same names. See, Isaac, a little bit of context here because context is king in Scripture. Isaac, of course, is one of the great patriarchs of God's people, of the nation of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In Scripture's account, we see little of Isaac. Um, There's only, I think this is the only chapter that is devoted solely to Isaac's story. And in the days of his father, Abraham, God's people had found themselves living in land occupied by the Philistines that was different than the land God had given them. God had given them Canaan, but Canaan had a famine. And so they found themselves living in you know, a neighboring tribe or neighboring people's land. Now, the Philistines, of course, you might think of David and Goliath. These Philistines we're talking about in this passage were a different version of the Philistines. They weren't the war Philistines from David and Goliath. They're a little more peaceful, but they are still not God's people. The Philistines had a different culture. They had a different way of doing things. They had a different belief system. And Isaac and his generation finds themselves again having to return 
to this fertile land, this land you know, occupied by the Philistines that gave them refuge because, again, there was famine in their own land. And when they arrived in the land of the Philistines, their first act was to redig the wells that Abraham, his father, had dug for their generation. You see, what had happened is while God's people had been away, the Philistines had filled in the wells. They had filled in the wells with earth, with debris, with garbage. I don't know why they did, because wells are pretty important when you live in a desert. I mean, in that day, every bit of society had to live near or on some water source. Obviously, the the Philistines had a different way of thinking. I think they were even from the sea. They were often called the sea people. And so maybe they just had a different way of doing things. But they filled in the wells. And when Isaac's generation returned, they re-dug the wells. And not only did they re-dig the wells, but they gave them the same names that Abraham had given them. They re-dug the wells. You know, water in Scripture is very important. It's very symbolic. Jesus himself is referred to as the living water. In John chapter 4 and verse 14, Jesus said this, Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Today we live in the New Testament We live in the day where God's people are not a nation, but God's people are a people scattered throughout the earth. And just like God's people in those early centuries had to live near a water source and re-dig the wells, today we are literally walking wells. We are springs of water walking around with Christ on the inside of us. And I believe God's call on our lives as believers is to be living wells, is to be springs of water that are springing up the living water of Jesus and watering a community and watering a world that desperately needs to know Jesus here today, 2020. Come on, how many of you know people woke up this morning in Venice, rooftops away from this building, rooftops away from your home, dying to know Jesus? There is someone you know in your world that woke up today. They may not even show it. They may not say it, but they woke up broken. They woke up hurt. They woke up dry. They may not even know the words, but they woke up desperate for Jesus. And I believe with every fiber of my being, God is positioning this church and every single one of you in your workplaces, in your career, in your in your environments to be living water, to bring out Jesus to a world that desperately needs to know him springs of living water will flow out of you come on you are perfectly positioned to be used by God right where God's placed you that that little league team that you go to every Saturday morning that that gym you go to that place you work even the place that you know the job that you wish you didn't have or the family that drive you crazy it could all just be a setup from heaven god positioning you to be used to be a carrier of the living water of jesus to people that desperately need to know him we're just called to carry water to our generation but that means we need to have a deep well And when I look around the church right now, if I'm being honest, in the U.S., in North America, we travel extensively in Canada as well. We're starting to in Mexico now, Um, which, by the way, I love the church. Like, I am for the church. I want you to hear nothing but that tonight. I am doing everything I can. I am leveraging every part of my life to see the church move forward. So I'm like chips at the center of the table about the church. But that being said, when I look at the church in America right now, I see a lot of stopped up wells. I see a lot of wells that have a lot of garbage in them. 
a lot of debris. In other words, I see a lot of wells in people where some different set of beliefs, some different culture, some different way of doing things have filled in and stopped up the living water of Jesus from flowing out of us. And I believe as time as God's people, we need to get a little bit old school. We need to go back to the wells. We need to redig them. We need to call them by their names, the names our fathers gave them, the, the things that always work, the tenets of our faith. We need to be proud of them. We need to stand up for them. We need to not shrink back. We need to not shy back. I know Jesus isn't always the most popular person to bring up in conversation. I know sharing what you believe doesn't always go over well for the listener. And I do believe, by the way, in, in, in being wise. I do believe in being patient. I do believe in being loving and joyful when we share. But I'm talking about this thing that's infecting our generation right now that is causing us to be shy or bashful when the world is being anything but shy or bashful about culture and belief. Guys, we have the living water of Jesus on the inside of us. And it's time for us to be proud and say, I am a believer in Jesus. I believe in Christ. I believe he was resurrected. He has healed my life. He saved my life. We just need to be proud of that and get back to that. <laughs> we need some deep wells for a generation that is dying to take a drink. Dying to know Jesus. Let me maybe teach you something. If I can get like church culture here for a second. Is that all right? Like get my like church coach hat on for a second. Here's something I would say. You may want to even write this down. This will be a thinker here for a little bit. It is, as a church, it is very effective for us to be culturally liberal. But it is vital for us to remain theologically conservative. Culturally liberal, theologically conservative. What does that mean? First thing I said was it is effective for us to be culturally liberal. What that means is church today doesn't look like it looked 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And I would argue that's a good thing. I, when I was growing up in church, we had a 100-person choir that wore blue choir robes and had these like triangle bib-looking things on them. And they sang songs. Sometimes they were hymn songs. Sometimes they were kind of Jewish sounding. Like it was, it was a very interesting time in church music. We also had a live orchestra, by the way. Like a 30-piece, like strings and horns. Like, like this is my church growing up. We had, we had a really amazing church in the Seattle area growing up. And like how regal, right? Like, you, like we went to church with like an actual orchestra and, and like a choir director. And it was beautiful. And then we kind of went through a gospel phase. Anyone grew up in like a gospel, you know, type of church? Or did any of you grow up in church? Uh, I'm kind of getting a lot of blank stares here, man. And if you didn't, that's great. I'm glad you're here. But church, church has gone through like a lot of iterations over the year. Today we have like, you know, lights and, and you know, it's like rock band and it's, it's different. I guess here's what I'm saying. It's right and good for the gospel to make its way into every culture of the world, every genre of the world. Culture doesn't uh, pollute or damage the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel can and should belong in every genre and every culture of the world. So it, it, it can be very effective for us to be culturally liberal. So, so don't mistake you know, lights and all that for something being wrong with the church. No, we're just trying to create new ways to communicate a really ancient, necessary message for a generation today that needs to hear the gospel in their language, the gospel in their genre. So it is very effective for us to be culturally liberal. However, it is vital that we remain theologically conservative. <laughs> In other words, I believe in the Bible. I believe in the whole Bible. Like, I don't believe in a Bible where we need to take parts out, 
where we need to explain parts. I believe the Bible is the infallible word of God. I believe it is living and active, and it is as relevant today as the days it was written. And um, we need not be shy about our beliefs. We need not be shy. And the reason is I know they're not popular sometimes. I know they don't get news you know, airtime sometimes. I know they don't go over well in conversations sometimes, but Jesus didn't come to make us perfect or give us a list of rules. He came to heal broken hearts. He came to set people free. The word works in people's life. The word, when the gospel gets into someone's life, into someone's heart, it's freedom. It's life. It's hope for someone. And because it's unpopular, we like to shy away from it and back up from it. Like, I think it's time for some believers to be really proud to say, like, like I, I, believe, I believe in the Bible. Like, I believe in the Word of God. Like, we're going to get back to that. Like, I think it's okay for us to say, I believe in the power of prayer. Like, I believe that the battles in life are won and fought on our knees. You know, this, tonight, this is not a self-help seminar. This is not a feel-good message where I'm sending you positive vibes where you're going to go out and get in touch with you and try to... By the way, when you tell somebody, like, you do you, boo, do you know that's the worst advice you can possibly give someone, like, ever in their life? Like, no, I don't want to do me. Me is terrible. Like, me is a horrible, broken person. I don't want to do me. I want to do Jesus. I want to do Jesus in me, not me. Like, get me out of the way. <laughs> get me out of there. The, the battles in life, though, are not won in self-help seminars. And there's great wisdom, I'm sure. But the battles in life are fought and won on our knees in prayer. Believing that we serve a miracle-working God. Like, we serve a God who parted the Red Seas. Like, that's not a metaphor. It actually happened. You know, we, we, Jonah was not swallowed by a figurative whale. That is not like a, a, a figure of speech that God is kind of backdoor using to try to teach us something. No, like, like these are real stories that happen to real people, and we on our knees can access the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, is alive in me and working in me and is available to me in my humility, in the power of prayer. But like, we need to get back on our knees again. We need to say, like, I believe in prayer. I believe prayer changes things. I wrote down some wells this morning um, when I was thinking about this. I, I've never really talked about this before, so this is kind of fun. Um, I wrote down some wells I feel like we need to redig. I just started listing them. This list could be a, a mile long. I think we need to redig the well of worship. You know, we, we don't come in here. And, and put on a show to entertain people. Jesus, who hung on a cross and gave his life and bled and died and rose again for us, he deserves more in our times of worship than a latte in one hand and checking the phone on the other. Like, he deserves our hands up. He deserves singing. He deserves our best because he gave his best for us. Like, that's a well that we need to redig. We need to redig. I'll skip fasting. We're done with January here. Uh, <laughs> we need to redig the well of holiness. Not perfection, not self righteousness, just holiness. Then I'm going to commit to just living like Jesus and letting Jesus work out the stuff in me. We need to, we need to redig the well of reconciliation and forgiveness. <laughs> We live in a generation that is just so easily offended right now. We need, we need to redig the well. Say, no, the Bible says I'm called to the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of bringing us together, of bringing people together for the glory of 
God, we need to redig the well of baptism, the well of the Sabbath. You know, our, in our hustle generation that, that celebrates the grind. We need to celebrate what God can do through his power, not just our self-strength. And we need to redig the well of honor, the well of obedience, the well of our faith, the well of, of seeing a generation full of the fruit of the Spirit. You know, full of things that stand out in the world, full of commitment. Come on, is anyone in agreement tonight? We need to redig some wells. That might be a little bit stopped up. So I wrote down a couple that I wanted to specifically talk about, and I won't keep you long, but I do have a couple that I specifically wanted to lead into. Um, I'm a pastor, so I have three of them for you. I maybe even add a fourth one in, um, but every good message has three points. So here we go. Number one, I think we need to redig the well of honor and submission to authority. <laughs> We need to redig the well in honor of, and submission to authority. I'm an interesting messenger for this message. I talk about it a lot, but this was not something that came naturally to me. Um, I, on, on every personality test, I am a personal freedom, go my own way, want to be unique, want to be creative kind of a person. I... Um, had to learn this. This was not something I feel like I got. And then adding insult to injury right now, our culture is so sick with, with, with a wrong view of authority. We view authority as something to resist, something to stand up to, something to get woke to, something to, I mean, look at the news for five minutes and this is not a political comment. This is a cultural comment because flip the parties in the White House and the conversation would still be the same. Right now, we view authority as something corrupt, something to overthrow. But this is where God's people, I think, could be among the most potent in this generation is when we redig the well of honor and submission. I know it's the S word, but submission to authority where we redig the well and say, you know what, I'm going to honor my leader. They may not be perfect. I may not have chosen them. You know, they're, 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 it might be, it might be kind of rough for me right now, but I'm going to honor. I'm going to submit. I'm going to trust God with the outcome. I believe that's a way that believers can stand out in our culture in 2020. We just need to redig the well. The, the challenge with people in authority and honoring people in authority is that they're inherently imperfect. And, um, you would be too if you were the boss. <laughs> I think we forget that part sometimes. And because they're inherently imperfect, the num one of the number one questions I get with leading second, which is about leaders who lead in the second chair, so leaders under authority, is how do I serve an imperfect leader? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying I always get it right. I'm not saying we always get it right. I'm just saying there is a commitment inside of God's people that trust God more than they trust their leader. And there's something that rises up like David said when he could have taken Saul out, when he could have killed Saul and Saul was chasing him, rather than touch the Lord's anointed, he said, as surely as I've honored my leader, may God honor me. And I believe that's the kind of faith and trust in God that we can have today. As believers, <laughs> I wrote down another one. I think we need to get back to the well of guarding our hearts. It's just kind of an old school term, guarding our hearts. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, watch over your heart with all diligence. Guard your heart, the NIV says, with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Look at that. From it flows the well, the springs of life. Every decision you make is coming out of your heart. Every relationship you enter into and the way you do it's all coming out of your heart. Sadly, though, we have an epidemic of anxiety in our culture right now. Have you ever heard so much talked about when it comes to people waking up with that river of anxiety on the inside of them? Just this week, I had three friends in ministry um, leave ministry over anxiety and depression in one week. And sadly, that's a normal week right now. I think it's one of the greatest 
weapons the enemy has created in our generation is the comparison game. And you know, I'm all, I'm all for proper use of social media. I'm all for all of it. I think I have one of everything out there, you know, at this point. Every device, every account, like I get it. But there's also something to be said about guarding our hearts and guarding our space. You used to not know that you weren't cool. Like, like you, you know, I, I, when, when, I, when we were like at our youth ministry growing up, I didn't know what other youth ministries were doing. I just knew what we were doing and I loved it and I was faithful to it and I was all in for it. I didn't know whether we were good or bad. It was just what was in front of us. And we just kind of, I remember life before the internet. I know that sounds just so archaic and so terrible, but I remember life before we could see what you had for dinner tonight. Like, I remember, I remember, and, and, but then today, we, we, we're so inundated with things. I'm just making the case that we've let some of that in. And it's time to get back to guarding this space. Like, super practically, I don't look at social media in the morning. It causes me too much anxiety. Can I just be honest? I turned off all social media notifications on my phone. I only go to it when I think about it. It does not interrupt my day. It does not interrupt me having coffee with you, me having a relationship with you. I just decided to take control of my life. I'm not going to let that interrupt me. I'm going to use it as a tool for the kingdom of God, but I'm going to guard my heart. Third John 2, the writer says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. I just wonder how your, how's your heart doing today? How's your soul doing? Have you, have you been doing soul care? If not, I believe Jesus is healer. And I believe he wants to come. And he, he is the prince of peace. That is his name. And I believe that if you're experiencing anxiety or depression in your life, if, if, if you're dealing with some, I don't mean to minimize your challenge, by the way. I actually want to draw attention to it, and I want to draw it out. There's time and a place to get real help. I see a counselor. I believe in it. But I believe Jesus, as Prince of Peace, can stride into that situation, and he can begin to make all things new on the inside of you. And he can keep you in perfect peace when the enemy wants you tormented with anxiety. And depression. We got to do our diligence to guard our hearts. Is this all right tonight? Am I? Okay. Really quick. Number three, we need to get back to the well and redig the well of tithing and giving. It's the popular point of the message here. (laughs) I just wanted you to see it though. In our Uber um, instant Generation, one of the things that's taking a hit right now is investing and owning um, wealth and ownership have been villainized. Prosperity's been villainized in our generation, which by the way, it's a Bible word. It's all over scripture as a promise from God for his people. And yet it's been villainized. So so we just package the whole money conversation is getting really off. In church life. This is, this is a well that's had major garbage thrown in it. And yet, um, I don't give out of compulsion. I don't give um, reluctantly. I give because I just so love Jesus. And it's the thing that says the most about my life. And um, I give to my church so my church can move forward. And I believe that's a well that we need to read it. Now, if when I said it, something kicked back in you, this is exactly the point you might need to think about. Like if, it, if, if you went right to the, all the church wants is my money, that's garbage in the well. Like if you kicked into that, I want to ask you to submit it to God. And just let God talk to you about it. I'm not here to convince you to give or twist your arm to give. Here's what I believe with every fiber of my being. That when it comes to our giving habits, if we take them to God and we do everything God asks us to do, I believe our lives will be blessed. And I believe this church will have everything it needs to accomplish its mission. If we just do everything God asks us to do when it comes to our giving. Okay, we're going to move on from the giving point. You can stop sweating and breaking out in hives and things. (laughs) Last one tonight and I'll close. Um. 
See, when you really like being at church on Saturday nights, it's hard to wrap up the message. You just kind of want to keep, but we'll close. Um, I believe we need to redig the well of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to redig the well of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 3. Prophetically, I think what God is saying is, For I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. I think of the early church a lot when I think of the Holy Spirit. I think of Acts chapter 2, the day the church was born, of which we're still a part of today. I got to visit Israel this summer for the first time. I got to stand on the southern steps of the temple where on that day, Peter stood up and he preached the gospel. And 3,000 people were added to their number. He was the first church planter. I mean, your pastors were courageous enough to put a stake in the ground and plant a church here. Well, he's like our forerunner. He's the one who did it first. 3,000 people added to the church that day. It was, it's just amazing because on the day that happened, the disciples were so compelled about Jesus and so compelled about what they were doing, they ran to the place in the city where they knew the most people would be. They ran to the most crowded part of the city. By doing so, they risked their lives. They exposed their identity of who they were. Keep in mind, still experiencing persecution today. They went to the place where everyone would be. Why? What compelled them to do that? What compelled them? What gave birth to the early church that we're still a part of and living a part of today was the Holy Spirit. They had just been in the upper room. They had just been filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, you don't go to clean your house and use a vacuum and not plug it in. Because to do so would be trying to use something without its power. And as believers, sometimes I think we're trying to operate in our natural strength. When it's the Holy Spirit in our lives that empowers every fiber of our being to live for Jesus and do all that he's called us to do. (laughs) We don't need, guys, we don't need more talented worship teams right now. We need more anointed worship teams right now. Because it's not anyone's talent on this stage that will break the yoke of bondage of people's lives. It is the Holy Spirit and the anointing that sets people free. I don't know what you think of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you might be saying the Holy what? (laughs) Uh, Maybe you grew up in church with some religious connotation. Good, bad, ugly of it. I want to ask you to maybe just get back to the Word. Read what the Word says about the Holy Spirit and ask Jesus to come and do everything in your life you want him, he wants to do, to fill you, to give you power from on high. And you'll experience, if you ask, you will receive. And I believe you'll experience the power of Jesus. The Bible says he's a helper. He's a counselor. That he's with us every single day. I wouldn't want to do life without the Holy Spirit living and active on the inside of me. In Jesus' name. You can take your seats. I got one more thing to say, then we're done. About How long ago would it have been? About three years ago. I was walking through a really tough season. Ministry was good. Life was good. Ministry was booming. Um, But I wasn't well on the inside. In his kindness, God let me go through some things. God let me go through some really tough stuff. Thankfully, I'm here to tell it. Um, But there were days where I had written resignation letters and I was about ready to be done one day I was experiencing such anxiety and just kind of walking through stuff I didn't know what else to do I was on a break from meetings I was at the church that day I just went out for a walk I just didn't know what else to do I couldn't stand still I could I just had to go walk I just cried out to God on my walk that day and it helped and the next day I went out for a walk 
and three years later, most days of the year, I go out on a walk. I'm like a 60-year-old man every single morning going out on prayer walks, just asking the Holy Spirit to come and fill me again. And do you know what happened, though? In that season of walking through some tough stuff, but just surrendering it to God, what I realized is Jesus redug some wells. There were some things in my life. The enemy had just thrown a lot of garbage in. A lot of things I had come to believe. They were just lies. They were not accurate. They were not real. And I have, three years later, I feel more free than I have ever felt in my life. I feel more alive in my relationship with Jesus than I've ever felt just because I got back to redigging some wells. And here's the promise. Genesis chapter 26, verse 32. We're back at Isaac now. Now it came about the same day, and this is the same day, by the way, he made a treaty of peace to live in this land. It came about on the same day that Isaac's servants came in and told him about the well which they had dug and said to him, we have found water. And I'm just here to tell you, I redug some wells and I found Jesus all over again. I'm a lifetime of serving Jesus and I'm more in love with him today than I ever have been in my life. And um, I now, to be quite honest, I don't, I don't care about the microphone. I don't care about the stage. I don't care about the big opportunities or the small opportunities. I just want Jesus. I just want everything he has for me in life. I just want to be obedient. I just want to do everything he called me to do. And he did that in me. He set me free, and he'll do the same for you in Jesus' name. So, Lord, I thank you for your people. I thank you for this night. I thank you for this house. I thank you. I just sense tonight, God, this house is just right people, right time, right place, that there's just something so significant that you want to do in Coast Life Church in this season for the glory of your kingdom, that this city might be saved, that the city might know you. So Jesus, all over this room tonight, we just make commitments. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, you'd go through every aisle of this building. I pray that you would talk to us tonight. Would you show us right now, where are the wells that have been filled in? Where are the wells that has some garbage, some lies, some, some untruths, some things piled in? What would you want us to redig tonight, Jesus? Because we just make ourselves available to you. I want nothing less than everything you have for me, Jesus. I want to live for your glory and live for your honor. I, I pray, Father, every believer in this room, I pray they would be uncommon and exceptional in this generation. I pray they would stand out, not for themselves, but because of the power of God living on the inside of them, that they would stand out in this world as uncommon and different for the glory of Jesus' name. And it will be because we committed tonight to redig some wells in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In fact, if this message has at all spoken to you about some area of your life, would you just lift up your hand wherever you're at right now just, just to receive something from God. God, we make commitments tonight. Commitments in our hearts. We're going to redig that well, that, that thing you've put on our mind tonight. Make commitments. Make all things new in that area of our lives tonight, Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, with every head bowed one more time, every eye closed, would every believer right now be praying? Because this could maybe be the most important moment of the service for someone. Before we close, I want to ask you, friend, the most important question I could ask you tonight, and that is, do you know Jesus? Are you a Christ follower? Have you given your life to him tonight? Do you know we gathered here tonight so that you could know Jesus, that you would be here tonight? We believed, we prayed for you. You might be here and you might say, well, I've never made that decision. I've never even heard this opportunity. You are in the right place tonight. It would be my honor. It would be my privilege to lead you in a prayer of new beginnings in your life and in your relationship with God. Maybe you're here tonight and if you'd be honest, maybe you've done this in the past before. Maybe you know what exactly what I'm doing right now. But if you'd be honest, you're away from God in your heart and in your life. You might be saying to yourself, well, that's great, but Brandon, you have no idea where I've been. You have no idea what I've done. You don't know where I was last night. You don't know how dirty I feel. Friend, my Bible says that nothing you've done can separate you from the love of God. Jesus is not mad at you. He just misses you. He wants you home. 
He wants you in the family. He wants you well. He wants you whole. And I just believe with a simple decision to turn home, to come home, to U-turn, I believe he'll meet you and give you a new start tonight in Jesus' name. So if I'm talking to you, more importantly, if God's talking to you tonight, you'll know exactly who you are in this moment. Like this whole moment has just boiled down to just you. Would you do me the honor of letting me know who you are tonight on the count of three? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want you to raise your hand on the count of three. Let me see who you are. Give me a chance. I want to lead you tonight in a prayer of new beginnings. I want to know who I'm praying for. Is that okay? Come on, on the count of three, just let me know who you're at. If this is your night, this is your time, you want to say yes to Jesus, on the count of three, one, two, three. Would you just lift up your hand anywhere around the room? Good, God bless you. God bless you up here. Anyone else, you want to say yes to Jesus? And I keep it up, by the way, you're among family. We, we are celebrating with you tonight. We prayed for you this week. Anyone else, just boldly raise your hand. Let me see who you are. I see four or five hands. This is incredible. Six hands. Come on, we got to thank God right now. People are just raising their hands, giving their life to Jesus. Come on, keep your hand up. A miracle is about to happen in your life. Okay, if you raised your hand, would you just do me a favor, put it back up in the air. I want to see who I'm praying for. We're going to all say this together out loud, church, full of faith. Let's support people who are making this decision tonight. Let's all say this together. Say, Lord Jesus, welcome to my world. I invite you tonight come into my heart come into my life forgive me of all my sins make me a new person tonight I receive your love I receive your grace I receive a new beginning the past is in the past I am a new creation tonight because of Jesus in Jesus name everybody in the house said amen Come on, can we give it up right now for everyone that just raised their hand? Hey, thank you for joining us and a special thank you to those of you who give so faithfully and generously to this church. It's because of people like you that podcasts like this are possible. And you can click the link in the description to give now, or you can visit mycoastlifechurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love it if you subscribed, share it with your friends. So thank you for listening. And God bless you.